94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. The Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, Dr. Josh Green. Good morning, sir. Morning. Good morning, guys. Great to hear your voices. The CDC has just announced that fully vaccinated people can travel again within the U.S. without getting tested for coronavirus or going into quarantine afterwards. So, of course, here in tourism-dependent Hawaii, the big question is, what does that mean for us, sir? Uh, So this is the game changer that we've been waiting for. What this means to Hawaii is that we've successfully navigated COVID. We have the lowest numbers in the country, the lowest rate, the lowest mortality rate. And it's been because of the the, uh, Safe Travels pre-test program and our commitment to wearing masks and socially distancing in our state. And now we have confirmation that if you're vaccinated, you're safe to travel. And since we're a travel-heavy state, if we uh, take this to heart, which we will, we have to, we'll be able to allow people to travel here and show us uh, proof that they've been vaccinated plus two weeks so they get the full immunity. And that will simplify travel and make our uh, travel economy more stable. How does that translate into being able to to travel? Like, what do we have to do? And how do we make sure, how does the state make sure, or any state make sure that people are not like faking that? There's a, a couple key points here. First of all, we have a, uh, a partner called First Travels. Uh, I'm sorry, forgive me, First Vitals that travel on the mind. So First Vitals, and they have a vaccine, uh, vaccine check method called VaxCheck. And so the idea is to digitally confirm a person's vaccination record through any number of mechanisms. One, that we have a uh, we have the VAM system, which is what we we upload everyone's vaccine uh, record when they take their shot. We put it right into that system. But that has to be accessed or we can do it through our partners at Queens and Hawaii Pacific Health and Hawaii Health Systems Corporation, our community hospitals. And then it goes into an app. Uh, there are some partners that we've worked with already actually many partners, uh, you've heard their names before, Clear, uh, Common Pass. There's a company called Lumetic that's um, reached out to us. There's a company in New York that's doing it. And it verifies it, and then you get a QR code and you travel. Now, having said all that, there is a lot of process challenge to do it. And whenever you have a computer program or a system like this, there can be challenges and glitches. So my, my overall opinion is that we should use the cards, they have to be verified. You can verify a person's birth date on them. You verify when they got the, the vaccine because there's a sticker that's applied to it. We use that and we inform people per usual that if they falsify any records, they're going to be subject to our, you know, our misdemeanor charge, which is a significant penalty. It's actually excessive. It's $5,000 fine and up to a year in jail. And I really do not believe that many people will falsify their vaccine cards just so they can avoid the pretest. Now, some might, a small number might, and it would be inconsequential as far as health goes, public health, but we can also do spot checks. And I think that's the safest, easiest, most streamlined way to do things. And I would recommend that we highly consider that. Uh, but like I said, oh, I guess maybe I said it to the guys before, I've been working on this since four this morning with the new update. Mm-hmm. And the, the, you know, I already anticipated this coming for a while. So we've been discussing this for several weeks. So Either we'll have a digital vaccine passport, totally optional before people start freaking out, totally optional. If you still want to do the pretest, that's fine. If you happen to be a person that does not uh, believe in vaccinations, but you want to travel, it's okay. Get the pretest, no worries. But this is just added, uh, an added security or an added way 
to travel without having as much time in line or having to get checked. Uh, I will say this, we've had increased travelers already. We're mm-hmm. over 20,000 a day for the last couple of weeks, and they have not seen an outbreak of any consequence for a long time in Hawaii, lowest rates in the country. So we're a major destination, and we're going to be even more attractive than usual because people will not be going to Europe this year, probably. They don't want to go to South America, where the case counts are really high. But Hawaii has you know, done better than any other state. So I would like to add the vaccine passport. I'd like to add the travel and the jobs to our economy so that our people can recover much, much better than is so tough for so many people this year. I'd like to make our small businesses whole. And we can only do that if we have enough revenue, if we have enough resource that comes in from travel right now. So that's my recommendation to the governor and, and to the team. And I'm going to be pushing this for the next several weeks. I've already asked them to make sure that we implement this by May. And, you know, you guys are our witnesses to this. I've been trying to get us to do this for quite some time, but that's probably a good time to do it because by about May 15th, we will be somewhere around 1.1 or 1.2 million shots delivered in our own state, which is a ton of immunity, a ton of protection, and we'll have enough time to at least decide what our process will be with these vaccine passports. Okay. Lieutenant Governor, regarding this uh, system for keeping track of vaccinations, my understanding is it's not going to be a national system. Each state is kind of having to do it on their own. Uh, Do you see any move to making something that's more centralized? I do. So that's what some of these partners are trying to do. And, you know, they are capitalists, of course. They're trying to figure out a way to monetize, and I'm not complaining about it, a process wherein uh, people upload their, just like we did with the Safe Travels program, they upload their vaccine uh, passport and it gets verified and then it goes into a simple app that can't be stolen or, or uh, you know, hacked. And so, yes, then you would have a lot of different um, centralization through these apps, whether it's Microsoft or, or IBM or uh, any, gosh, there's just so many companies that are are interested in doing this kind of thing. So I think that there will be some centralized activities, but each state has to step up and help uh, create the links, if you will, because Hawaii has a different vaccine registry than New York or California. Mm-hmm. Though all of them are using VAMS to a certain degree. That's the vaccine management system that the federal government has asked us to use. So there is actually some centralization of this data. And I don't want people to get too worried about you know, their data being stolen, it's not going to be much of their health record except for this vaccine. But we still have to be very careful because you do put your your name in there and your phone number and usually an email. So it's a world in which we already put our numbers out there quite a lot. And it's a uh, it's a time where we have to decide whether we have enough trust. Now, interestingly, you bring up the reason why I'm fairly high on just showing the the card. Think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. Everyone has the same CDC card. It is not hackable if someone's just got it in their wallet. And showing it is pretty easy to do and to check. I don't know that you're really making things any better necessarily by making this super high tech. I think at this point we should accept the cards. And also, remember, look, take, a, take a look at the big picture. Come uh, summer, 70% of the country will be vaccinated anyway, which means we will be getting herd immunity and we'll be getting a lot of protection. So if that's the case... The risk has dropped anyway, and the cards will help. Regarding the vaccine passports, um, when will they actually go live? Um, And when and with that, when can we 
expect incoming tourism to come back fully? Well, that's purely up to the director of health and the governor. They have to decide. General Har and I have been recommending this very strongly for a couple weeks. I asked them this morning with a memo uh, to do it as soon as they can. May 1st works well in my book. May 15th would be also very fine. I would not wait anywhere past June June 1st at all. I think that it's too important that we do this. We're already getting safer all the time. It really amounts to whether or not we are obsessive about having a digital uh, platform that we can verify, and that will never be easy, and whether or not we want to move forward. I would like to see us personally do it on either May 1st or May 15th. That's when travel is going to really pick up, and it really makes a lot of sense for us as local people. Um, I also think that at the very, very, very least, we should start now testing this out for inter-island travel. Uh, There's no reason at all to make people go get another test when they've been vaccinated for inter-island travel. That's just madness. Okay. Uh, Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Just curious, are you making any... um I don't know, entreaties to the rental car companies and people like that? Because it seems like uh, we went from this tiny little trickle of tourists that were coming in to this gigantic flow, and it's caused all these problems with regards to... Uh, the, the main one that I'm seeing is rental cars. I mean, the, the, the cost to get a rental car now is like 100 bucks a day, or actually more than yeah, that. Terrible. Yeah. Are there yeah, any told, things in place? Or what's happening there? I'm told they're going to be shipping rental cars back. And they had, I think they had decreased the stockpile here because there was so little activity for so long. And you can understand why. I mean, back in March, April, May, June, we had no travelers whatsoever. Mm-hmm. None. Mm-hmm. So I guess they decided that because of that, they had to, you know, reposition their rental cars. Also, one thing I did, I talked to some of the companies. They were moving some of those cars because they face a lot of corrosive damage from the, uh, the sea, the salt water. Mm-hmm. And so... To extend the length of survival of those vehicles, they had to get them out of here. Uh, but now that we're going to see a big uptick again in travel, we're already, like I said earlier, probably about two-thirds of our base travel with, at 20000 plus a day. We need the cars. And it's, uh, it's yet another part of this large uh, COVID dance that we've been going through. It's been, a, uh, it's been a, a bear. But I'm glad that people are getting better. I'm glad that our hospital counts are stable, if not down. I'm a little worried about the overall count. You know, we've been averaging 99 cases per day for the last seven days. Mm -hmm. And the Maui, you know, the Maui surge has been, uh, you know, a little scarier for them uh, because it's been community spread, not travel related, but it's been community spread at church, at that one church, which was unfortunate, uh, at uh, a couple restaurants, at some large parties. People just have to realize we are only, you know, we're only to the point now where 27 or 27.1 percent of our people have received a shot, Uh, though the number is going up real fast. You know, about 80,000 a week. We still are not there quite yet. We need another essentially two months, all of April and May to get ourselves to a place where most people, most people are, uh, you know, vaccinated. And at that point, the case counts will drop like crazy, just like they did for our elderly and heck, I think um, I think we're going to be great, but we're probably not going to be great until about June 1st. And then all these things come together and people will do their very best to start forgetting the, uh, the long crisis of COVID. Um, sir, I wanted to ask you, in conjunction with the vaccine passport concept, my question is, 
about live events, concerts, expos, festivals. We've seen other countries, some a handful of other countries, use the vaccine passport concept to then open up large events within, you know, within certain cities and so forth. Do we have ramifications now that, you know, the CDC has said, yes, go ahead and use a vaccine passport concept to let people travel? Will we also see ramifications for live events, concerts, uh, festivals here in Hawaii? Absolutely. That's actually probably even bigger use of the vaccine passport, quote unquote, uh, than travel, because I was with some uh, really great people yesterday that are in the wedding industry and in the concert industry. The concert guys would like to get up to two or three thousand people sometime towards the end of the summer or the fall. Again, once people are vaccinated, they totally understood and, and curtailed all of their activities. Same thing for people that want to have weddings at 150, 200 people. And being able to show that you have been vaccinated will mean that you can just have an event without almost any concern for spread. So that's the best part of the internal use. And actually, that's another reason that I'm pretty confident this is going to work, because with First Vitals doing it here in our state, they know how to access the, you know, the records that we have internally. They know our healthcare community. They know our hospitals, you know, the EPIC system that that uh, Hawaii Pacific Health and Queens use. And so they will make it easier for us to have a local app for our vaccine passport, quote unquote. Now that might not be enough to satisfy some of the other leadership for mainland travelers, but it will be great for us internally. Uh, movie theaters, where you have a couple hundred people, uh, sporting events, high school sporting events. We want to get our, our grandparents and parents watching the events again. All these things are made easier and safer if you can show that you've been vaccinated. And I know that a lot of people are going to squawk and say, well, you're being, you're being discriminatory against those who didn't get vaccinated. No, you make a choice. You make a choice whether you're going to be vaccinated during a pandemic. And also, you could still go get a rapid test and, and be assured that you're not positive. Mm. It's just this will be an added uh, convenience and it will be an added safety measure. I think what people sometimes forget if they're very anti-vaccination or very anti-public health in general and, and it's their prerogative to feel that way. But they are impacting others around them. That is absolutely true. That's not fair. It's not fair to do that to people. Mm. So you can't, you know, you can't have that lack of consideration and still expect to have all of the same uh, privileges. We all have to be mindful of our neighbors. So I hope that that's what people remember when these kind of rules get put into place. Okay. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, got a question off an email. Um, a friend's son is going to get his first shot. So they want to know, yep. should he take Tylenol now before the shot or not worry about it? Like, what is the general rule for taking Tylenol and uh, ibuprofen and stuff like that? Yeah. Well, the general rule is uh, to take it shortly after getting your vaccination. And Tylenol is better than ibuprofen. Anti-inflammatories, uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories like uh, ibuprofen, they very could um, possibly slightly suppress the immune response, and we don't want that. So I'd recommend they take Tylenol based on their weight. That's usually about 10 milligrams per kilogram, and uh, usually it's about 325 milligrams for a small adult, 650 milligrams for a larger adult. Uh, you're not going to hurt yourself if you take that. And... Uh, and I would take it one hour after your shot. You'll tend to have less symptoms, and I'd take it again six hours later. After all that, you're going to be in a good place. That's what I did when I got my second shot. 
Hmm, okay. Uh, right. just, I've also had a couple friends who had a little bit longer duration for the after effects, especially on the second shot. Uh, so Tylenol uh-huh. is fine. Like uh, 12 hours later, 15 hours later, still uh, having some symptoms. Just keep taking Tylenol. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Every six to eight hours is, is totally fine. All right. Thank you, doctor. Speaking of vaccines, um, sir, wanted to ask you about uh, the situation with the vaccines. We have we just did a news report talking about how uh, some of the neighbor islands are opening up to 16 and older. Uh, Specifically, you know, we were talking about um, the Big Island and Kauai expanding to uh, vaccines to age 16 and older. Hilo Medical Center actually already began that expansion yesterday. Maui County planning to grant eligibility to all residents. 18 and older sometime next week. So my question is, when will Oahu open vaccinations to 16 and up? I think that Oahu is likely to do that on or around April 12th. And, you know, I, I kind of argued with them about this. The, uh, the process by which we allow different counties to open up at different times, look, people should get the vaccines into arms as soon as possible, but it does create confusion because if you go to the website, some people hear on, on TV or the radio, oh, it's open to, to 16 to well, 16 and up now. And they don't realize they were talking about in, in Hilo or Kona mm-hmm. or on Kauai. So uh, I think that we will probably, because of that, open up very widely on Oahu on the 12th. That's my best guess. It might be just age 50. The, um, the director of health has wanted to keep the lid on, and, and it has been uh, – it has helped us in one way. It means that there's not been a big confusion or chaos at the vaccine centers. But I think we're now getting to a place where there is sufficient supply and there, there are too few people to just sign up in some parts of the state. Now, the reason the neighbor islands went ahead a little bit is because they're rural, right? Mm-hmm. And in rural communities, it's a lot harder to find a full complement of people that haven't been vaccinated yet and that need an appointment who are over, say, 60 years old. And they didn't want to ha- they have a lot of vacancies or a lot of spaces, empty spaces on their uh, vaccine schedule. And that's the worst mistake. We don't we definitely don't want uh, empty slots on our schedule. So it is good. I'm going to press very hard for either full opening on April 12th or going down to age 50 on April 12th for Oahu. And I'm pretty sure that Director of Health will will do that. I mean, she's she's juggling a lot of things. She's really terrific. Uh, but I think if you look at what the people actually want and need, it's that. And also, simplifying the overall state approach is always good in my book. Um, it's not going to hurt anybody. You might schedule a week out. You might not be able to schedule for just the next day, but you'll certainly uh, get your vaccine sooner. And the sooner we get to herd immunity, the sooner we'll see no more cases in the hospital, no fatalities, less concern about travel. So all these things feed one another. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, just curious, as people are starting to come back, what are the things that are going in place to explain to them that, you know, you have to wear a mask? I'm finding uh, more and more friends of mine are running into tourists who are walking around without a mask on, and when they ask them, why aren't you wearing a mask, uh, they're getting kind of combative, or combative, Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, we remind people so often. They get reminders when they fly, through their tickets, through the airports, through the airlines. I, I don't know. I think that some people just don't want to listen. And that will lead to some conflict. But 
I will say this. Here we are in April, and I don't, to my knowledge, I don't know if there's been any uh, charges of assault filed between people. I was worried about that early on, that there could be actual discrimination against travelers because of the concern of COVID, just period. And so that's why I wanted the pretest so people at least had some idea that they were negative when they traveled here. Uh, it's just human nature to be a little bit stubborn. I just think we're going to have to keep telling them. And, of course, the stories that go out there into the Internet when we do find somebody, like when we actually charged the Surgeon General, which was a little bit rough, I have to say. That guy had brought us free tests and stuff. But uh, he didn't know the rules completely, and he got busted. So people get the message. Uh, We're really close to the end, though, guys. That's what I would like to tell people. If you could wear your masks and socially distance uh, through, you know, real religiously, through the end of May, at that point, we're going to have so many people vaccinated in lower cases. I'll still recommend masks, but we can be less uptight about it. Um, sir, wanted to ask you about, you know, with the ongoing vaccination effort, I some people have been uh, posting and asking. They're a little bit confused about why our new cases of coronavirus still are in the triple digit. And I just wondered, you know, why that's happening. Have you been discouraged by this? And some people have asked, are we headed for at least for Honolulu back to tier two at that rate? Uh, so I'm not discouraged. It's reality. The the good news, it's the good news, bad news thing. Okay. The good news is we have almost no cases amongst our kupuna. Mm. And when they do get a case because they're vaccinated, it's very mild. They're not going into the hospital. The bad news is, is that uh, 18 to thir- 18 to 44 year olds are at the highest rate now because they're not wearing their masks and they're having large gatherings to a degree. What you're seeing is a phenomenon of people feeling confident because there's less illness and more vaccine uh, in people. So there's less vulnerability. So they take a little less precaution. And that's when you see people let down their guard on masks and so on. And then they catch COVID. If you're at a big gathering and you're young, you're not wearing a mask. I guarantee you're going to catch COVID in the next week or two. I guarantee it. Mm -hmm. So don't, don't go to a big gathering if you can avoid it. It's a, it's a really significant mistake. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, with regards to the news that's coming out of the continental U.S., with regards to the numbers spiking, the I, I'm sort of just trying to reconcile the fact that we're opening ourselves up to the U.S. mainland. Their numbers are spiking, and those people are coming here. Well, if they're vaccinated or they've been pre-tested, they, they pose zero risk, just no risk. It's, it's functional zero now because if you've been vaccinated, yes, you could have, you could have, a very unlucky situation where you don't get full immunity, but it's pretty rare. And we're still asking them to wear masks and we're vaccinated. So if, unless people want to take the position that we're never going to travel again, then it's time to move on. It's, uh, it's difficult. I know for some to wrap their heads around, but if you're a small business owner or if you've been out of work or your kids, you know, can't get good access to healthcare because you have no money, I think you realize that we have no choice but to make good, smart health decisions and open ourselves. Uh, but that's the that's all the stuff we were talking about earlier. Uh-huh. Do it super safe. Do it with a vaccine passport. Do it with a pretest. We'll still have to have the safe travels program, by the way, because our children, you know, aren't getting vaccinated for quite some time. So we'll still test people. Uh, but we have not had travel-related cases. I mean, we've been up and down this road a bunch of times. The cases we have are from clusters uh, when we have parties with young people.
or we have big gatherings and people don't wear masks. That's how it happens. Mm. Everything else is few and far between. So, um, you know, they're wide open in Taiwan. Did you know that? I mean, wide open. They're mm-hmm. totally normal, except they're wearing masks. That's it. And they have not vaccinated their country yet. And they're having no cases practically. So it's really doable. Uh, plus, I'm now feeling a lot more emboldened because even if, even if we have a, a modest surge of cases, I know that our, you know, like 400,000 most vulnerable people are protected. So there's, there's no reason to believe at all that we would suddenly see like a big spike at the hospitals. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think I think we're fine. You know, I really do. Um, you mentioned a moment ago the thing about large groups getting together. Now, of course, we are trying to get back to normalcy, but right now is not yet the time <laughs> to have these big gatherings. Right. Of course, we've reported on a couple of the big ones that happened in West Oahu area. Cynthia is asking, uh, this is what she posted. She said, what are the consequences to those who put on and or attend those illegal concerts, parties, get-togethers that are larger than is approved? They can cause community spread, causing the tear to get rolled back uh the consequences if they get cited at a big event like that they'll receive a um a citation which is a misdemeanor charge and if they go to court it's up to a five thousand dollar fine and up to a year in jail and so if someone let's say hosts an event like that the hosts are going to get into deep trouble and they i would assume will be prosecuted fully some of the just attendees they might skate they might get busted you just never know but we have fined a few people uh and made them pay for you know clear indiscretions where they were even encouraging others to break the rules and they they probably will face some pretty serious uh you know attention Mm -hmm. from the attorney general and again i don't like to over threaten but on the other hand someone who has a four or five hundred or seven hundred person gathering i would you know what i would find them and put them in jail for 30 days if they did that intentionally. And the reason why is because they probably will cause 100 or 200 cases and that will probably cause a person to die from COVID. Mm. And therefore, it's a really terrible, terrible thing that they've done. So I don't want to be a, um, a scold. I just want to say, please don't do that. And we'll be able to get much clearer from all these restrictions once we're vaccinated. And we're, we're really just, probably oh heck we're probably 60 to 90 days from really being massively protected by vaccine and i've used july 4th as the marker because it's a holiday that everyone understands but by july 4th we're going to be over 1.7 million shots that means about 750,000 people will have gotten both of the moderna and pfizer shots and another 200,000 people will have gotten the uh, johnson and johnson it's very likely we'll have herd immunity to a degree by July 4th, which makes me feel a lot better about parties and gatherings. And, and it won't come a moment too soon because you remember what happened on July 4th last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, thank you so much. Just a real quick one before we go. Um, I have a question from someone who's living in California. They're going to be coming home to take care of their parents due to illness. They want to know if they can get a vaccination here in Hawaii because they're technically not a resident uh, of Hawaii yet. We have, we have tended to just restrict it to, to residents for now, uh, unless you are here for upwards of six months a year. I think that those rules will probably loosen once we have uh, more vaccine than we need. 
and especially when it's wide open, I would not be surprised at all if they could comfortably go to one of the pharmacies if they're here in June or July. For now, we have to really keep our focus on our local people because California has their allotment for Californians and we have our allotment for Hawaii uh, residents. Uh, I'm sure that some exceptions can be made under extreme circumstances. Again, I wouldn't want to be too harsh because they're taking care of a an elderly loved one, but uh, they should get the shot before they go, before okay. they leave from California. If they need their second shot, we have done that for some people. If they, you know, if they're going to have to be here, or if they've relocated here but they haven't been here for six months yet, uh, so that's but it's been contingent on them being in the right category, and that would probably not count for a 45 year old healthy person yet mm, okay. that's taking care of their mom, uh, but soon, very soon, yes. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate okay. It. All right. Thank you, sir. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add? I would just add that we passed uh, 750,000 doses late yesterday. Mm. We include the military doses that have been done in the state. And that's an incredible achievement. Uh, we are safer, but we're not totally safe yet. We still only have touched 27% of our population one way or another. It'll go up fast as can be in the next two months, but please be safe over the holidays. I really want to be able to report low cases and low hospitalizations in the coming weeks. So um, that's my prayer for everybody, that they take that to heart. And and I am happy about where we are, though, overall. Just uh, hold the line for the next uh, couple months. Thank okay. you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lieutenant Governor. We appreciate you stopping by. Yeah. Oh, hey, mahalo to you guys. Have a great holiday.